For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. In the name of Jesus. Amen. A nomos of faith, a Torah of faith. A Torah of faith or a Torah of works. That's all that Paul's audience had to choose from. The only two items on the menu of Paul's upbringing. And the only two ways revealed to us as the way to conceive of God's word and action on our behalf. A Torah of faith. Or a Torah of works. That's the heart of the Orthodox, Catholic, Evangelical, Ecumenical Reformation insistence on sola fide. All the benefits of Christ's vicarious sacrifice for the sins of the world are yours only and ever through faith apart from works of the law. Faith alone. And because of that, a definition is in order of faith. Faith is more than what our Southern California context would invite us to do. Uh, When we think of all you need is a little faith and trust and a little bit of pixie dust. Is there a reason why the line at Peter Pan is always long at Disneyland even during rainstorms, I don't understand. It's not that good a ride. And it's a terrible definition if what we're running is a definition of faith. Now, the way that the scriptures would offer it in the Old and New Testament, faith is more than just faith in anything and faith in fairy farts or Tinkerbell's dead shed skin cells that let children fly off to Neverland. Faith has an object. Faith is in something Faith, as we cash it out, is usually talked about in regard to our religious feeling. I have faith, and what that faith tends to mean is feelings. And if we're talking about fairies and feelings to talk about faith, then we're running the show the wrong way. Because the objective word of Christ is what our Lord invites us to put our trust in. I am a man used to giving orders and following orders, says the official who needs his servant to be healed. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. So just give me the word, Jesus, whether I happen to feel it or not. We tend to think about fairies. We tend to think about feelings. We tend to think about the 50-50 when we're in a relationship with a God who demands righteous works. And think in our own imagination that we can somehow get him on our side. A compromise, a transaction. You do your part, God, and I'll do mine. Or maybe I can manipulate you into giving me a little bit more than 50-50 if I show you what I can do. Maybe if I just do the right things. Maybe if I just don't do the wrong things. But it turns out that our 50 50 games with God, the magic tricks we might want to play in our own head or in our own religious upbringing don't get us even halfway. In fact, they get us no way for the good that I would do, I do not do. And those things that I don't want to do, those things I end up doing, says Paul in Romans chapter 7. Who will save me 
from this body of death. We do need saving. Because Romans is about righteousness. And it's not about your righteousness. It's about a righteousness from God. And that righteousness is not good news when you run with a Torah of works. God's righteousness, if we run with the Torah of works, recasts God in our own image. Recasts God's image into our own. And puts all of our works on display to compare them with his law. And when we sin, it looks very, very sinful. And when we do good, it looks very, very weak. Which is why we pray even with our dearly beloved Dr. Luther. Lord, save us from even our good works, lest they damn us too. Good works are damnable for all who rely on them. As the Lord compares them with dirty rags in comparison with loving justice and mercy. His own love of justice and mercy. His own works on our behalf. God's righteousness is not good news when you run with a Torah of works thinking God is out to get you if you don't give him something in return. Harboring the suspicion in your heart all along that the reason things are going badly for you today or tomorrow, or this hour, or the next, is because he's getting back at you, zinging you for being too slack in your devotion, punishing you for a secret sin, playing that game of quid pro quo, popping you on the head with an illness, <laughs> or a bad piece of luck. Doing something wrong means something wrong's going to happen to you. Holding out material blessings and expected returns on the other hand, for playing the you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours game. Quid pro quo. Be healthy and wealthy and wise if you just do the right thing and follow the right method. God's 40 days of purpose kind of path to glory. That, dear friends, in Christ is a common game. <laughs> it's a fiction, a falsehood, and fairies and feelings. And the 50-50 game, which is the biggest load of solid waste the apostle who wrote this letter ever heard. And he calls it what it is, a pile of dung in Philippians chapter 3. God's righteousness is not good news. When you run with a Torah of works, because your works don't mean anything for your salvation. The most your works can do is damn you to hell. Storing up wrath for the day of visitation. The most you can hope for is a swift and surgical and certain justice because that's what righteousness means, justice. Pure and plain and simple. God is just and will, yes indeed, he will punish sins, yours and mine, including the works that we think are so grand that will never measure up to his Torah if we run with a Torah of works. Sisters and brothers in Christ, God's righteousness is no good news and there is none unless God does something for you. For you. 
hear those words because those are the gospel words. Cling to those and you're clinging to the right God, fleeing to the right ones of fear and love and trust above all things. The one who does his righteousness for you. Not running into silly with expectations that you cannot fulfill, but shouldering the burden himself by taking up an executioner's cross. Not running into unjust by leaving crime unpunished, but rather punishing all your sin, all your sins, all your sinfulness, burying the condition and the symptoms in the cold, cold tomb with the body of his dead son, Jesus Christ, executed for you. For you, cling to this fact. And this one too. Your crime has been paid for. Your good and evil works forgotten about. Because the greatest of all good works is what he looks at. And that's the work that his son, Jesus Christ, did. In bursting forth from that tomb on the third day in triumph over your sin and your sinfulness. In triumph over your unrighteousness. In triumph over the law and its consequence. In triumph over death. In triumph over any idea of your works doing anything. Cling to it, dear friend in Christ, because he died for you. Because he rose again. And that resurrection, historical, undeniable, real and bodily and promised and glorious and miraculous. But most of all, for you. For you. God's character is not one of caprice. It's not one of arbitrary justice, not one of capricious unfairness. His character, his attributes, the way he's revealed himself, all wrapped up into the word we've been saying, Torah, the character of God. This Torah is not a Torah of works. It's a Torah of how he delivers his goods to you. Not relying on your good, he gives you his good. He injects it in you, he imputes it to you, he puts it in you, he counts it to your credit. He does the Torah thing, topsy-turvy, not counting your works against you, but counting Christ's for you. No more law, no more regulation, no more uh, imagination, trying to please God. Stop it. You can't. Only his son can. And he did it for you to give you his righteousness. Not something earned. Much to the contrary. Something radically different. Simply a gift. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from Torah. Though the Torah and the prophets bore witness to it. And it's a righteousness. God's righteousness still. But it's a righteousness that is now yours. Faith, not a pie in the sky, but a firm trust, a passive reception, an active gripping to the promise of God in Christ. Faith in his person, faith in his work, faith in his death, faith in the empty grave, faith that it is 
for you and you and you and Jews and Muslims and Germans and Mormons and Gentiles and atheists and grandchildren and grandparents and others who uh, are, are uh, uh, people who drink beer and eat bratwurst huh? and aren't saved because they're not Catholic but because they're in Christ and Indians and Africans and smart people and people with Down syndrome and babies who were unborn and newborn or born 80 years ago and people who are not like you, who stink and drink and think different than you. It's for all because there is no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are declared innocent. All are justified. All as beggars before a God are made the wealthy. All as sinners are declared to be saints. All who are blind are declared sighted. All who are dead, now alive in him. All unfaithful, given a promise by the faithful one, Jesus Christ. Be the beggar. Be the blind woman. Be the dead man. Be the sinner that God can justify. He runs with the Torah of faith in Christ. And he does it for you, dear friend in Christ. To this, we can only lift up our hands in faith and open them to receive what he gives you. The faithfulness of a God in Christ whom you receive by faith alone apart from works of the law. In Jesus' name.